Welcome to the C Word Podcast. I'm your host, Beck Hughes. This is where creative meets business. Here we explore what it takes to harness your creative gifts and turn them into a thriving business. You can have a brand and business that allow you to create work that feels amazing to call yours, have clients you love serving, and live a life that feels like the only place you want to be. Hey, my lovely, welcome to the C Word Podcast. Have you heard this one? Not all work is good work. I've heard it lots of times, but I haven't always chosen to listen (laughs) or certainly haven't taken it to heart. And what I mean by that is sometimes, or perhaps more than sometimes, In the past, I've taken on work that really had some red flags and I've lived to regret it. And I did it because, in short, I had a scarcity mindset. I felt like saying no was a crazy idea. I mean, why would you say no to money? Why would you say no to work? It seems bonkers. And I would justify it because... To be honest, I can sell myself on pretty much anything. If I want to go and buy something or do something, I can always find a really compelling reason, sometimes more than one. So I'd tell myself, it's it's worth doing it just to get paid, or I've got capacity, so why not do it? It'll be a good testimonial, or it'll be good experience. And all of the non-reasons you can come up with all have a counter-argument. All of those things that I tell myself can all be put to bed by some really rational thought. But the kicker is, the penny only really dropped after the fact. So once I was knee-deep in Project Poo, I'd have a moment of clarity and say to myself, oh my gosh, the warning signs were there at the beginning. But I either didn't see them or, like I said, I chose to ignore them because I sold it to myself. Because I didn't want to say no to the money, didn't want to tempt fate. There's a good one. I didn't want to tempt fate and tell the universe I wasn't willing to do what it takes. Or I simply didn't want to upset someone. Didn't want to offend a referrer or a really nice person who needed help. So instead, I chose to say yes, when really I should have said no. But without exception, saying yes, when the answer should really be no, has always backfired. I, If I sit here and think of all of the times when something niggled inside me that said, don't do it, don't do this project, it'll be a nightmare, I was always proven right, or my intuition was always proven right. But I guess the hardest part is A, knowing when you should say no, because you're not always ignoring the red flags. Maybe sometimes you're not aware of them. And then the second thing is saying the N word, the no word, out loud, because that can feel uncomfortable. So I want to tackle those two tricky and quite tangled topics in today's podcast. It can be very tempting to say yes to every opportunity, every brief that comes your way. It can actually seem like madness to turn down work when maybe you're not busy, for example. But like I said, I get it. 
I've been there, I've done that, and I've got the t-shirt that says people pleaser on it because I have found saying no quite hard. But there are problems with doing that, with taking the work that isn't right for you. First and foremost, there's the opportunity cost. So whilst you're wrestling with a challenging client, you are not doing the work that you might actually love doing. And or you're not out there looking for that work and putting time into your business. So the opportunity for you to do great work or to grow your business and find great clients is taken away from you because instead you put that time into work that you probably should have turned down. The second thing is it impacts your profit. Projects overrun. You invest more time. You might have agreed to do it for less money. Work that isn't right for you, work that isn't great, work that you should have said no to, is probably more often than not the most unprofitable work that you will do. And finally, the third thing is taking work that isn't right for you impacts your well-being. It's no fun working on projects or with people who don't fuel your creativity or fulfill you personally. And that's important in a sustainable business. It's okay to have an expectation that you will feel good about the work you're doing and who you're doing it for. They're not good outcomes. Poor profit, lost opportunities, negative impact on your well-being. They're not good things. And there are probably two broad reasons why creatives and their clients clash. There are, there are lots of sub-reasons, let's call them. But broadly speaking, when it comes to knowing to say no or when you should say no, there are two things that you could have watched out for. And that is a boundaries or a values misalignment, which leads to lots of other sub-reasons, like I said, around disagreements, feeling frustrated, unclear expectations, people not getting what they want or need. And the second is that there's an idle client or a niche mismatch. So you're not doing the work that is your strength, your wheelhouse, what you want to be doing, or you're not working with clients that are the right clients for you for any number of reasons. But it can be hard to pick those potential misalignments, those mismatches in the early days, especially if you're not quite clear on your values, if you haven't set your boundaries or maybe you don't have a defined niche or an ideal client. If you don't know what those things are, how do you know when they're being compromised? So I suppose that's the first message in this podcast is you need to get quite clear on your boundaries, your values, your ideal client, your niche, in order to ensure that you can say no when it's the right time to say no because you know when it's not a good fit for one reason or another. But we can't always know that. So I wanted to delve a bit deeper and perhaps share some of the red flags that you can look out for in those early days. And when I say the early days, what I'm talking about is before you've taken the project on and you're still in those discovery stages. You're still having meetings with the client, exchanging emails about how you might work together. 
So some of the red flags that you might look out for. Firstly, unrealistic timings or timings that don't fit with how long you know a project will take or your preferred process. I will say this is worth a conversation. Sometimes it's just a case of educating the client on how long things will take and then everyone's happy. So as long as there's clear communication on that, it is something you can get past. But if it's a sticking point, beware, basically, because chances are it's the client that won't be able to stick to an unrealistic timeline, not you. So it won't be something that you can control If you go into it, if you commit to these timings that you knew weren't realistic, because the client will have other commitments, the client won't be able to make decisions in a short time frame, there will be changes and revisions that maybe you didn't build fat in for. So if the timings are a sticking point and they don't align with what you know is realistic, that's a big red flag. Another thing is when the client wants to control things. It's another red flag. So they want to change your process or they want to remove steps from the process or add steps even. They want to bring people in or they want you to do extra things or perhaps they're complicating things or they're changing the scope. So when the client takes, says, oh, okay, yeah, that's your process, but I want to change it in these ways or that they're your inclusions, well, I want to change those in these ways. If they're trying to exert their control over the way you want to do things, there's a really good chance they're not the client for you. The third red flag, they're unreliable, unresponsive, indecisive. They don't read the information that you give them or pay attention to what you say or what you share with them. They're a bit disorganized. So in those early days, maybe they haven't read the information you shared after they inquired or they're not clear on what they want or you follow up and they don't respond for a really long time. They delay. Those kinds of red flags about how someone might be to work with are worth looking out for. Because if they like it now, I almost guarantee they will be like it during the project. Something else to look out for is when a prospective client starts to be very prescriptive, but they don't have solid reasons for it. So they say, oh, well, I've already sketched up what I want, so I just want you to bring that to life. Or I'm really, really clear on the colours I do and don't want. Or I don't want to use these kind of fonts. Now, it's okay for them to have that clarity, but what's important is that they have solid reasons for it. Because if it's just arbitrary, well, that's what they think they've made these decisions for no clear reason or no good reason, it's a bit of a red flag. It shows that they might want to control the process, but they might not be able to explain to you why. So you'll end up really just being beholden to them. They might start to pluck reasons out of the air, reasons why they don't like a direction or they don't want to approve something or they want to make changes, but they are not willing to give you a solid rationale or give reasons. And clients that don't do that are very hard to manage because everything becomes subjective. And leading on from that, there's no strategy or rationale behind what they want to do. So for example, they want to do a rebrand because they just feel like making a change. That's a red flag to me because there's no goal to hang your hat on or be accountable to. So look for the strategy, look for the solid reasons and rationale why this client is coming to you and asking for this project. 
another red flag, they start to say things that are quite loaded. Things like, oh, I just want you to know I'm difficult to work with. They might make a joke of it, but they're saying it and that's a red flag to me. Or I've had bad experiences with lots of other designers. Okay, well, you've got to think about what's the common denominator there. Are there reasons why they're not getting along with so many more of your peers? Don't assume that you're going to be different. Oh, I don't want to change too much. AKA, they want you to work miracles, but they don't want to get out of their comfort zone. They don't want to challenge themselves. So it's an unrealistic expectation of what you can do for them. Another statement might be, I don't believe in design, I don't believe in brand, or I don't believe in SEO. You'll need to convince me. For me, my ideal client is already committed to brand. They see the value in brand, and that's why they want to come and work with me. I don't invest time in people who need convincing that brand is important. I want to work with people who already see the value in brand. They're up for it. And then another one, this is perhaps my personal favorite. I'll know what I want when I see it. So when you start to try and talk to them about the brief or what they want to achieve, what their goals are, they can't articulate it. Instead, they distance themselves from the outcome and they just say they'll know what they want when they see it. That's a huge, huge red flag. That looks to me like a lot of subjective feedback and a lot of time wasted chasing something that and nobody knows what they're chasing. So there are some quite loaded statements there that you might hear. And when you hear them, I think you should be questioning whether this is the right client for you. Another red flag is they try to barter or they challenge costs or they challenge inclusions. Oh, well, I don't want that. So can you reduce the price? Or they say they have a small budget or they're a startup. So there are lots of expenses for them at the moment. Anything around budget where they start to try and challenge your costs or barter or reduce the price or make noises that imply they're trying to reduce the price is a red flag. Don't you just love those Facebook groups? Does anyone know a cheap and reliable designer, i.e. I want a unicorn, I want the best of both worlds. I want cheap, horrible word, but I also want reliable. Well, the two don't go hand in hand, I'm afraid. Or I'm looking for a junior designer, all the way in that word junior, aka, I think this will be a cheaper option. I've decided that if it's a junior, I'll pay less, but I'll still get the same outcome. Red flag. Another one is they don't respect or value your time. So they might cancel meetings. So they set up that first discovery meeting, but they keep changing it or canceling it, or they turn up late, or they forget, or they take up more of your time than you allowed for. So you said it was a 20 minute discovery, but they're still asking you questions 60 minutes in. It could indicate that they don't see your time as valuable. And that theme may well continue on into the project. And finally, this is an important one. Don't overlook your instinct telling you that something doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. You don't feel like there's a good connection maybe or you don't click with their energy. That's a good enough reason not to engage with them as a client. Because if this is going to be a two, three month project or a long term relationship, you need to know that the energy between you, back and forth, reciprocal energy will be good. Otherwise, it's not going to be a great experience. And it will probably lead to other 
difficult scenarios, awkwardness, lack of clarity, poor communication. So listen to your instinct, listen to your gut too. So those are some of the red flags. I can't tell you not to work with prospective clients that do this. I can't do that and I don't want to do that because it's your decision. All I can tell you is the impact that it has in my experience when you do acquiesce to prospective clients that maybe displayed some of these behaviours, showed up with some of these red flags and you didn't act on it. As I mentioned a bit earlier, it doesn't do anything for your profit, it's not good for your well-being and it takes you away from the opportunity to focus on bigger and or better. So it's your decision, but I just want you to be aware of those red flags. So we've talked about, and hopefully I've validated or perhaps reinforced some of those red flags that you might be missing or squinting at a little bit and perhaps ignoring. So that's the first thing I wanted to do is is perhaps bring those to the fore, make you more conscious of them. But the next tricky bit is actually saying no, isn't it? Because turning down what might be a super keen inquiry, someone who really wants to work with you, can be tricky. But I want you to remember this. Their enthusiasm, them being a lovely person, their willingness to pay or pure grit and determination to make it happen are not reasons to work with them. Just because the client wants it, just because they're really lovely and they're super enthusiastic, and even maybe because they've got the budget. If there are other red flags or other misalignments or mismatches, it could still be a no. Because those things, those that enthusiasm, that willingness to pay, can on the surface be distractions that mask some of the other red flags. You should never feel compelled to work with someone out of kindness or a sense of obligation or awkwardness at the thought of saying no. Again, I just want to remind you, not all work is good work, despite initial appearances. Because if under the surface, you're pushing those red flags to one side because you're choosing to see all the good, the positive, it could still come crashing down later on. Don't want to be negative about it because in saying no, the positive is you look after your profitability, you create more opportunities for yourself and you look after your well-being and your sustainability of your business. So how to say no? Well, you could just say the word and be done with it, couldn't you? Or I do like to refer to a nice little model which is the same one I use when it comes to perhaps resetting or reinforcing my boundaries in my business. It's called the Biff response. It's not mine. I didn't invent it, but I do love it. It's the topic of a book by someone called Bill Eadie, and it was first published in 2014, and the book is also called Biff. I haven't read the book, but like I said, I do like the model when it comes to essentially dealing with difficult conversations, challenging conversations, having to address maybe some conflict or some negativity or saying no when no feels uncomfortable to you, which is what we're talking about here. So BIF stands for brief, informative, friendly, 
and final, or some use the word firm. So final or firm. Now, before I go into that a little bit more, I just want to say, like with all these things, don't sit on it. Eat the frog early and get it done. So everyone knows where they stand and they can move on. So I think that's the first rule of thumb. Don't let it drag on. So the first letter of Biff, brief. All I want to say on this is you don't owe them a lengthy explanation or justification why you're saying no to the project. You don't have to come up with lots of reasons. You don't have to say that you're going to have your ingrowing toenail removed (laughs) or whatever other reasons that you may choose to share. You don't have to explain it or justify it in any great detail. However, with the second letter I, informative, you should give a plausible reason. So I think it's important to give some kind of why as to why you're saying no. It could be that you don't have capacity, it's not your area of focus, it isn't a good fit. But giving a brief but informative reason why is a positive. I think it helps to reinforce the message and it helps everyone to accept it and move on. The first F, friendly. Don't have to be gushing, don't have to be apologetic. Keep it neutral and keep it unemotional, I think is the important thing here. It's not about blaming or calling them out for certain behaviours that did rub up against your values or your boundaries or your niche or whatever it may be. You don't have to call them out unless it's completely out of order and you feel like it's necessary for the greater good. But generally speaking, just keeping it light and friendly, again, I think feels good for you and It's good for them too. Nobody wants to walk away from it as a negative. And then there's final or firm, depending how, which word you prefer to use, choose to use. And this is about letting them know you've made your decision and there's no room for negotiation. So don't leave it open. Don't um and ah about it. True fact, people don't like hearing no. So if they see a weak spot, if they see a chink... (laughs) They may try and turn it around. They may try and persuade you. Oh, well, you know, I would love to do this project with you. How about this? And they may try and persuade you to work with them. And that might make it even more awkward to reinforce no or to reset the boundary. Or it may make you feel even more compelled or duty bound to then say yes. So make your no firm and final. And you can do that in a nice way. So that's the BIF model, or the BIF response. It works in lots of scenarios, in business and in life. I I love it. I think it's really useful. As a side note, I do want to share that it doesn't need to get to a discovery call for you to realise that it's not right. I would encourage you to aim to build into your brand, your content, your marketing, your sales process, your inquiry process, things that will help to vet the people and the projects that aren't right for you. So be clear in your messaging who you're for, how you work, what you value. So you may not get inquiries or as many inquiries from the people that aren't right for you. So be clear about it up front. And then in practical terms, you might want to include a questionnaire 
as part of your inquiry process. So you can get a top line around things like maybe available budget, timelines, scope, the industry that this client is in, so that you can make a call of whether it's right for you or not. So before you even go into a discovery call, you've gleaned some information that can let you know whether it's right for you or not. And at that point, you can then choose to go ahead with the discovery call or to let them know there and then that it's not going to be right. I would also strongly encourage you to share your fees pre-discovery. So before you go into that call, make sure that they understand what your fees are going to be. Again, they might self-select based on the fact that your budget and their budget don't align. And that's okay. And if essentially the stats don't align after you've taken those steps, then you can invest the time that you might have put into a discovery call with them elsewhere. You essentially save yourself. And don't forget, you save them the time of having a conversation that may have led to nothing anyway. That, in fact, probably would have led to nothing. So think about how you can, in your process start to say no earlier on or to in a nice way weed out the clients that you don't want or the projects you don't want before you go too far down the rabbit hole. So my final parting words today are I want you to know it's okay to say no. It's safe to say no. It's actually professional to say no and ultimately it's your prerogative. If you choose to say no for whatever reason, personal, practical or otherwise, it's entirely up to you. So that's the end of today's podcast. Thank you for joining me. I hope you found it valuable. I would love to hear from you. Let me know what you think. And if you do love it, then I would be so grateful if you left me a review too. Have an amazing day. Have an amazing week. And as always... I can't wait to chat to you again very, very soon. Thank you so much for joining me, Beck Hughes, on the C Word podcast. If you like what you heard, subscribe, leave a review and share with your friends and business buddies who might like to listen in too. The music for this podcast is by Red Productions on Pixabay.